there's something outside. What is that? Monster X Radio listeners, this is Gunnar Monson, one of your hosts of Monster X Radio, coming to you live today, and uh, I'm also the founder of the Sasquatch Coffee Company, almost forgot what I was going to say, Sasquatch Coffee, have you tried it yet? Go to SquatchCoffee.com, get some, the holidays are coming up, order early, because we get hit pretty hard, and we're just a small little company, so um, get yours, make sure you get yours delivered. Uh, in time for the holidays. With me today is Mr. Shane, Hardcore Corson. Shane, how are you? Doing great, Gunner. Doing good, man. Good. Yeah, the weather turned around. We had some really crazy wet weather here on the the coast uh, this last weekend. Um, some flooding in, in Tillamook and stuff. And, and today it's about 70 degrees and uh, very pleasant. Yeah, I hope... Uh... I hope if I hope Sasquatch can swim because I I've seen some of the pictures from the uh, the coast range and and uh, there was a lot of flooding down there. We we got a lot of rain up here, but I'm a little bit uh, I sit on top of a kind of a, a mountain, so uh, no flooding here, but absolute downpour. And, you know, I think we got between four and six inches of rain in a short period of time, but the coast, holy moly, down there um, by where you're at, Gunner, dang. Yeah, it it uh, it was nuts. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, seasonal movement of, of Bigfoot and uh, how maybe we can use that to, to uh, create some predictability in, in uh, different times of the year. Um, we, you and I were chatting uh, a couple of days ago about um, there's some areas where there seems to be regular reports at different time at this particular time of year where uh, there's a influx of, of sightings in a particular area. We won't disclose that ex- exact area, but let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, uh, we were talking about that. And the reason I was, I brought, I kind of brought up that was the fact that uh, there's been two reports recently uh, in an area of interest here in Washington um, uh, near the Olympics that uh, we're starting to see uh sightings, uh, you know, pop up, uh, two of them uh, fairly close together in an area, historically speaking, has had sightings and it's had sightings this time of year. And I was talking to my good friend and, and researcher, uh, David Ellis, about this. And he goes, yeah, you know, it's, it's that time of year when we start getting uh, these sightings, you know, it, it's and specifically uh, the roadside sightings in some of these areas. And so there was two recently, uh, somebody was driving along and Apparently a Sasquatch, a rather large Sasquatch, ran across the road 
um, in front of them, and they were they were kind of floored uh, about this uh, about this encounter. Um, and unfortunately, for this particular uh, sighting, um, it, you know, this person had posted it in a public forum in a non-Bigfoot group. Uh, and uh, was ridiculed and made fun of to the point where they they pretty much shut off the comments on it. And even though they were they were generally uh, inquisitive as to had anybody else in this area ever seen anything like this, I mean they were kind of like you know I, I know what I saw you know and it just does you know I, I don't mean to make a joke of it but I mean uh, you know has anybody else seen it? And of course when you, you post something like that in a public forum, whether it's a it's a regular public uh, awareness forum or a hunting forum or a fishing forum or a hiking forum, it, usually what tends to happen, you'll get some good responses, and then slowly after that what trickles in is the uh, it becomes like a joke war or a mem war. Who can put the funniest Bigfoot mem up there or the funniest joke? You know, uh, ones, you know, the joke's like, oh, that was my brother. He forgot to shave that day and uh, this <laughs> and that. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, and that was actually one of them. That was my brother's hairy back. And anyways, uh, you know, and then uh, they start uh, telling, the, you know, these witnesses or these people that have seen things uh, uh, that, uh, well, you know, lay off the booze or, uh, you know, drugs are, drugs are bad. And, uh, you know, and then, and then at that point, uh, there's no, rational, no rationality. And uh, that's unfortunate, but it happens time and time again. Um, I'm actually writing Bloody a blog what happens on this in Bigfoot, foot, Bigfoot yeah. groups. I mean, people post stuff and it, it becomes, you know, torn apart. So it, yeah, yeah. Know, that's, and you, you have to expect a little bit of a skepticism, I suppose. But, but there's, there's again, there's, you know, the term scoffic, where somebody just uh, dismisses things out of hand or, or jumps on somebody because they, they report something that, that they themselves have not experienced and and uh it, it's difficult enough uh for witnesses to come forward when people have you know it's a you've got to think that it's a, a paradigm shift particularly if you, you have no like context you know or you just think bigfoot something that that uh there's some guys on tv that are chasing it and and all of a sudden one walks across the road in front of you can you imagine the you know you have no real context that they're that's a real living breathing animal yeah yeah and and, and then of course you know seeing it for the first time you know you're kind of you know dumbfounded uh, one of the, one of the uh some of the people in this particular uh forum and group said you know it's probably a guy in a costume and this and that and uh the uh eyewitness was i think fairly adamant that they didn't believe so but you know they couldn't rule it out uh, i just think it'd be silly for uh, and this this sign just happened uh, I would mm-hmm. it'd be really silly, uh, given the area, uh, that this person, um, if it was a, a person in the costume, I think it would be really silly. This we're in we're in the middle of hunting season up here. Uh, you know, I've had friends recently take down, you know, uh, some bucks and and uh, whatnot. It'd be very silly to be roaming around. Uh, you remember that case, even in uh, I think it was, um, what state was that? I, I want to say, say Georgia or something, but yeah, I, I know or, what you're uh, yeah, further north. Shot. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Somebody was talking about someone else got hit by a car. And, That's right, because uh, they, uh, they, they were they were they yeah. were pretend they were on a big Minnesota, I believe. Yeah, I think it was Minnesota. Yeah. I could be wrong, but anyway, yeah, they they got hit by a car. And in this particular area, it's not a super busy uh, intersection or highway, but it does get a lot, you know, traffic and uh, it'd be silly because it is an area not too far away where people will be hunting, and uh, so I, it just 
wow, what a risk. And uh, that was the only one in that area. There was another sighting uh, in another area not too far away. Um, I don't, I didn't get a description, so I'm not sure if it's uh, possibly the same individual or not. But, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, this time of year we start to see, and, it, and for obvious reasons, we start to see uh, sightings in this area, and I believe it's got to do with uh, the weather. We're starting to get snow up in the mountains, and so, you know, uh, things are dropping down. Um, you know, kind of a altitude migration rather than, than just a migration, like an altitude migration from higher, pardon me, to lower elevation to follow the food sources uh, yeah. that are, are a lot easier down low. I mean, it's exactly um, exactly what, you know, elk do. I mean, it's exactly what elk do to a T. And uh, maybe, maybe Sasquatch is, you know, following this winter range. You know, elk during the winter... Um, will, you know, often, you know, congregate in valley bottoms and will forage and and eat on, um, you know, forage on south-facing slopes because that's where the snow, you know, generally melts quicker and, and the wind, um, the winds help prevent the snow accumulating. And so, you know, because the elk take advantage of this by dropping down to the, the, the valley valleys uh, down below, perhaps Sasquatch is doing the same thing. Maybe they're following the elk uh, but if they are traveling down to get out of the, the winter, they're definitely following food sources. You know, I mean, that'd be a, a no-brainer. And I think, uh, I know people in the past have kind of, you know, this isn't a novel idea. Uh, people in the past, researchers, have um, traveled to areas uh, where they believe that Sasquatch would, would uh, you know, come down from these higher mountain ranges and, into a kind of a, a pinching point or a corridor, and they've, staked out those areas and then not had any luck but and but uh i think it's a it's a novel idea to to look into that a little bit further you know these areas where well if they are coming down from the mountains into these lower areas let's find these these pinching points or these areas uh, of, of travel possible travel routes well the thing is too is even if you identify the area that that is a pinch point unless you're there 24 7 it's not like there's a parade of you know a bigfoot coming through there you it's still a needle in a haystack. It's just you're 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 shrinking the area to concentrate on, and and it's all about you know increasing your odds of of uh, having something happen or being in the same place at the same time to you know. So that's it. Even in, unless you like I said were monitoring that area twenty four seven, you know you still got it. It's you're increasing your odds, but but it's still a uh, uh, High probability. Yeah, it's still. I yeah. mean, it, 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 yeah, you're not. It's not like there's 40 bigfoot going through this area. So. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. Gonna, yeah. Totally yeah, agree. Right. So, and the guy, the, uh, the guy that got hit by the car was in Montana. That was back in 2012. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I knew it. Was silly so suit. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not 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 a smart not, thing. Not to a do. good idea. Not a smart thing. No. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean it. Uh, yeah, it's just the the risks galore are tremendous. I uh, I don't know, um, but I, I hope I, I I personally don't believe that was the case here with this recent report. Well, you never know, and I hope that you know um, you know you know a joke's a joke, but that uh, that could lead to death. So, uh, but anyway, I really yeah, don't. The, the funny thing is that area there, though, specifically has had other reports this time of year, uh, this you know seasonal time of year. Uh, where winter, you get to start getting the, the the winds and the heavy rain and, and the temperatures been dropping and getting the snow. So it's not unprecedented. There's definitely been sightings um, in this area, and it's um, 
and I expect to see more sightings in, in south of this area where the um, and north, uh, mainly probably southward, where the um, uh, you're going to run into elk and deer and and uh, where the foraging specifically for you know plants and whatnot is going to be uh, so much better. Uh, you're not going to really run into snow in these areas, especially this time of year. You know, you may this year. You know, we're, we're getting a wicked wicked winter. So you may you may run into some of that stuff, but uh, you know Sasquatch you know probably nomadic no doubt moves around. But I, you know we talked about this before, Gunner. I mean you know I, I am I'm a big fan uh, in, in in favor of you know the big guys moving around in a large you know range area. You know uh, you know and just as a guess, you know I would assume it'd be anywhere from like 60 to 100 miles, but it, it wouldn't be that. I don't consider that a you know you know. Um, migration it is a sort of migration but it's just moving where the, the food's at you know uh, to pass you know periodically from one region to another based on you know the climate and for feeding or breeding i mean to me it's that that simple it's not a you're not i don't think they're moving from um from uh, northern california all the way up to you know bc you know british columbia right. uh i don't think there's any need and one i and two i think there would have been a lot more evidence i haven't seen any evidence of that and they probably would have been discovered by now so it's just a big range, you know, uh, that they, you know, and maybe perhaps if you're in a family unit and not a single nomadic individual, perhaps the family units require a bigger area because, I, I, you know, I would imagine, once again, hypothesizing that they would feed an area and then when that area becomes kind of depleted or to a point where it might expose them themselves, they move on to another area and it's, you know, miles away and not hundreds of miles away. I, yeah, and I agree. I, it, it's got to be keyed to food. I mean, you're you're talking about an animal of uh, that massive. You know, Bigfoot's got to eat, so that's uh, they're following the food, just like every other animal. I mean, they're they're. I, I agree. I think they have a a territory. I don't think they migrate. I think they they move around within a a range, a range and it's probably a pretty good size range. I mean, you know, we one of the things that I always talk about is. Uh, one of the things that like fascinates me is that what what uh, if big Bigfoot is real and and I know you you've had an encounter you've had the confirmation experience and uh, but they um, what they're physically capable of you know just just going from point A to point B that that miles don't mean the same uh, to a Bigfoot as they would to humans twenty miles to us to uh, forest terrain is a lot. Um, I don't imagine that that is any big deal to any more than it is for, you know, other animals that live in that environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, yeah, and how many, speaking of mobility, I mean, how many reports have you taken in or researched um, or investigated, and I've been there with one or two of them, where, you, you know, on movability, you know, moving around, you know, you, they're, they're seeing, Sasquatch is seen climbing this steep, mountain or terrain or clear cut mm-hmm. like it's nothing where it would take you know, uh, you get, you know a couple minutes for this thing to get up there and then you go to mimic it uh, you know in, in you know checking out the report and it takes you know 10 to 15 so you're right. yeah i totally agree with that you know um what a sasquatch is capable of and what we consider a mile compared to what they would consider a mile it'd be uh like dog years ridiculous you know uh, like yeah. dog years it's big bigfoot bigfoot miles bigfoot miles right so it's like seven yeah. of our miles. Right. But, you know, they're going to follow, like any animal, just like the elk, 
you're going to follow the most reliable available food source you know uh, and most of which is is in my opinion always going to be vegetation you know roots berries fruit grubs uh, i mean and other things you know like uh, rodents and snails i mean that stuff's going to be readily available uh no matter where they go if they get out of that 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 winter uh like weather that colder weather an area where it's a little more temperate where they can um survive and thrive and and feed and hunt and uh, you know keep themselves warm or whatever you know uh, that's going to be that's some of the key things that you know i look for in areas and that's you know in these lower elevations like where we're seeing these sightings starting to pop up now that's exactly what these areas hold you know and they're not too far away from the coast so you you have the the seasonal salmon run still coming in you have the, the you know clams clam season and other uh crustaceans on the coast if needed and then you know shortly inland you know you got you know you got your unglets if they do uh, go after elk or deer and you got all the other little critters and you got cover you know because it's winter time so you're starting to you know it's fall things are leaves are dropping but fortunately for us up here in the pacific northwest are still with the pines and everything else the non-deciduous trees there's plenty of cover year-round so that really doesn't play into too much i think up here maybe uh, other parts of the country you know, places like probably like Ohio and whatnot would be a, a, a an area like that. But uh, here in the Pacific Northwest, we don't have to deal with that. But we do have to deal with the weather. Right. And and that, like we were talking about, the weather is just getting to the point where it's it's transitioning from from uh, warm. And we've had kind of a late, almost a Indian summer, and mm-hmm. but but it's shifted in the last couple of weeks where it's really starting to get cold at night and and uh i know people in the midwest are saying well, you know 32 degrees isn't cold but it is here and at this time of year so but it just now we're starting to to see that and uh, i know over the next couple of weeks we're going to have the um, the transition where the daytime temperatures are are dropping in about another 10 degrees i was just looking at the weather um that's coming up in the next couple of weeks so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, the, the weather. And all of a sudden, all those, all those leaves that that turn color are going to be off the trees. So that it does. I mean, there's some visibility. I remember the the area in Tillamook where we research. There's oh, yeah. quite a contrast between winter and summer in the foliage. How much is mm-hmm. dormant during the winter, and shuts down. So you got a lot clearer visibility. I mean, you can see a lot further in the in some of those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yeah. Oh man, what a, what a, that's one of those areas that I really do see a drastic change in the foliage. You, you know, especially if you haven't been there in a few months and you, so you go from summer to fall and, mm-hmm. you know, it goes from, you know, being really thick and you can't see the hillsides and, and the hills around you and, um, or the forest through the trees. Uh, but then, you know, then it, it changes and all of a sudden it's bare you can see uh, a lot further than you can before. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and quite honestly, if you look at some of the possible weirdness that's happened out there with us, uh, you know, that kind of stands to reason, too. It, but we get year-round um, activity or, or suspect activity in, in the Tillamook area. Uh, it's not, it's not temperate. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty temperate in that area. You know, mm-hmm. um, you do get snow up in the higher the hillsides and whatnot, but it's usually not that extreme. And then once again, you got all the wild game hanging around you. You know, you got clear cuts and you got you know, 
forests and, and rivers and streams and all the other little things on the ground. There's plenty of food there, temperate. Um, and I don't well, think the, that's even when it does snow up there, it, it snows. You know, it might be up there for a couple of weeks, then it rains hard and it's all gone. And then it may oh, snow gone. again and you get a little accumulation and then it rains, you know. So it, it's not like we got a solid snowpack up in the coast range all winter long. It's It comes and it goes. So it's a lot yeah. a lot different than the high peaks up there in the Olympics that have snow even during, I remember driving by there this, this summer and there's still snow up in the in the very top, you know, so. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's and there's it's uh, there's a lot more snow up here now. Uh, but you know, like we're talking about in the the uh, cold terrain, specifically the Tillamook Forest area, you get reports there year round. Not always in the mm-hmm. same exact location, you know, but uh, uh, you get them year round there. Whereas up in the Olympics, you see an increase um, in the lower elevations on the roads and whatnot this time of year. I um, mean, of course, in in the spring everything starts moving back up the mountain and that's when you start seeing, you still get some roadside crossings and you do get, you know, cause, uh, you know, elk are calving, you know, uh, you know, May through June. And so you get, uh, some sightings down low. So I do think it's possible that Bigfoot does, um, you know, prey upon, you know, calves definitely, but you start, you easy get picking. a lot of counters. Yeah. Easy pickings, you know, hiding yeah. in the tall grass links motionless. It's, uh, you know, you're talking about a 35 pound animal is up and go, but, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the Olympics are a little bit different. You know, you, you get a lot more of those sightings, uh, and in some of these other cold areas up here in Washington, they're always going to be down, I mean, usually down lower. And, and that's when you start seeing these roadside crossings just pop up everywhere. And I'm always keen when you see uh, roadside crossing in one area and then right down the road, um, you know, whether it's immediately or a little bit later or even a couple weeks later down the road. You get another one, and I often wonder if it's you know the same individual or individuals doing that, uh, you know. But it start they're starting to pop up. You know, I've gotten in these areas, you know, uh, reports up that are pretty prevalent up through February, uh, roadside crossings, and uh, you know some of the uh, suspect activity I had at the beginning of the year was in the month of February, and we did have a little bit of snow in some of these lower areas, but. Uh, it wasn't extreme, and it, like you said, you get that heavy rain even up here, and uh, these low-lying areas, it just dissipates and disappears. Right. So so these areas that, that you say that uh, there were a couple sighting reports here recently, they and you said there there's a history of reports in, in the same – I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sure it's not, yeah. you know, it's actually a mile marker, but within a, a certain range. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, within, you know, uh, 10 miles, which is nothing, you know, within 10 right. miles. And um, I don't know if it's where this specific sighting happened. I've never heard of one right there, but it's within it's within 10 miles. And then even if you extend it out there, um, there's a, a load of sightings. And a lot of them are roadside crossings, but you also start to hear because of the time of year, you know, like I said, we're, we're in hunt season. And uh, um, there's just a load of hunters out there, and you start to hear about uh, reports from hunters. You know, this time of year, you know, whether it's a sighting or, a, you know, in like a visual or a, some sort of weird uh, vocal or audio piece that they've they've heard in person or, uh, you know, and in, in rare occurrences, you get, you know, something they've called, something they've taken down, a, you know, uh, a buck and whatnot, and it's uh, picked up and taken away by a Sasquatch where it just disappears, though I would admit, I would, rather, I would, I would think them 
the deer disappearing would not be uh, these areas when they're hunting. You got thick soil out and everything else. Uh, you're not a good tracker, and you're not you don't, you didn't get a good shot off it. You know, it might just disappear all by itself. But yeah, so the uh, but occasionally there's the some stories. Yeah, I, I heard a story a while back where where they had shot a deer and and the guy went to get it and and it was gone and mm-hmm. they found footprints. So it was you know that that was the the context of the story is like okay, well that. That that sounds to me like okay, you might have had a bigfoot come and take you know, take your. You said that was mine, <laughs> dibs. I mean that's yeah. What yeah. what you know that's they they probably view uh, hunters as competition for their their food you know and they're not happy about it. Or a dinner it. bill. Or a dinner bill. You know I I, I I bought. You know you you shoot off a gun you maybe a, a Sasquatch because uh, uh, you know just like deer and everything else they they know. Deer and whatnot know what it means. Bucks, right. What it means. They know hunting season. You know, you'll see them all around up until you know uh, the beginning of hunting season, and they just disappear. Specifically, the bucks. You know, I had a buck around my house for uh, months, and a couple of those and and whatnot. And uh, I see and the doe occasionally. These are not very smart animals. Yeah, these yeah, are not course, the smartest right. animals. Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, bucks I mean so we're talking about Bigfoot. Probably know it can figure out. You know, like you say it. You know, gunshot means possible food, easy pickings. Could. If they're in yeah. the hood, may, or they're in the the, the uh, close proximity to to uh, where the gunshot goes off, and they, you know, they. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine they know you know more about what the the deer counts and where deer movement is, and than the best hunter ever would hope to. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, you, you think about of a, of a of you know someone taking out a deer, and if you got a a stealthy entity out there that 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 preys upon deer and scavenges, and it hears a shot or is, is tracking you as much as you're tracking the deer, and, and you got this dead deer in front of you, easy pickings. You hear that gunshot, and you're you're in that area. Or you know mm-hmm. maybe possibly maybe possibly with some of these reports that come in, uh, uh, the hunter interaction, you know, maybe uh, from a distance that gunshot sounds like a wood knock. You know, how many times have we been out in the woods and we've heard a um, a gunshot from a distance and you're questioning, it, what was that, some sort of knock or was that a gunshot? And then you get the second one and it solidifies that it was, a, in fact, a gunshot. Maybe it attracts right. occasionally, it'll attract them in just because it sounds like a knock from a distance. You know, it's, it's all, who knows, who knows, but, yeah. you know, Speculous, hunters yeah. do, yeah, hunters do have, you know, reports and specifically, you know, this time of year because they're out hunting and that's what they're doing. And, uh, and of course you got, uh, you know, people out in the woods, you know, um, often laying still and motionless and, uh, and, uh, trying to take down, take down an animal. And, uh, so that's why they're going to have more interactions, obviously, uh, this time of year, you know, just like in the summer months when, you know, people are out camping and hiking and fishing, you know, you get that spike of, of sightings in, in areas. Right. Yeah, because you got you got it takes two things to have a, a sighting, a Bigfoot and a and a person. Then the person actually has to record it. So, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, um, Gunner, let me ask you a question. If you were to, yeah. if you were to, let me let me ask you this: If you were to pick a time of year and an area, I think I know maybe possibly the area. But if you were personally, based on your years of investigation and in, in, in working with the BFRO and in the Lund mm-hmm. Project and, and solo stuff. Where would you go, and what time of year would you specifically research? Um, actually, the the fall uh, it, up in the Tillamook area. We 
one of the interesting things to me about the, the whole how the Tilma Forest Research Group came together was, you know, um, I found this report uh, in an area that I had always had an interest in, and um, but the it had been like a year before. Well, that I got a I knew uh, the gal that had um, investigated Cindy Cadell, uh, and so I asked her. I, I just asked her where if she would share where specific more specifically where the the uh, encounter had, had happened. And she did better than that. It's arranged to have an, uh, an outing in the area. It's just, it, coincidentally, it was just about exactly a year later from the, the time that the initial report had been submitted. And then, then um, if, if you listen to the show with uh, Larry Turner, our good friend, uh, Larry, who's uh, a key member of the, the Tillamook Forest Research Group, um, it, it, that's how the the group came together is actually Larry and his his friend Mark kept going out there for a year you know um, and normally what would happen with 99.9% of of encounter they get even when they get investigated that's it nobody's back out there researching that area ongoing but uh, Larry Larry did and and coincidentally when I I showed up the first day something we had some weird, we refer to it as the crescendo, you know, some weird vocalizations that happened for like two hours, you know, and that, and it was the same time of year. So, and we, we were up there a lot that first, first year, things have, um, you know, life gets in the way of, of Bigfoot research, unfortunately, but, uh, cause that, that it's a great area. Um, I still go up there and I've hiked some of the, the trails here recently, even, uh, Susan and I go up and just, um, and it, it's a, it's a, that, that area to me, it, one, because of proximity, it's close. It's, it's, I'm fairly close to, to that research area, but also just, there's been enough weird stuff happen in that area. And, uh, and it has history of sightings. So what do you, you know, what do you do if you're trying to, to shrink the, the haystack, find the needle, the moving needle is, is narrowed down and that there's an area with history I've had personal and weird experiences. Have we've had members of our, our research team up there have had sightings, um, so we know they're in the area, and it's just uh, a matter of. I, I always just think if you're in the area where they are, it's a matter of time if you you know and and, and luck that you happen to be in the place where they are because they're moving through that area. They're going somewhere um, mm-hmm. fairly frequently, and just putting yourself out there enough. You know, it's just like seeing, uh, we saw bobcats, Susan and I saw bobcats across the road. And I mean, there's, uh, I always think there's some kind of percentage time, you know, for every deer that you see, you know, how many deer do you have to see before you see a bobcat? How many deer do you have to see before you see a Bigfoot? You know, I mean, it's, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a kind of a numbers game and spending enough time out there. You'll see almost, almost, uh, you're increasing and all you can do is increase your, your opportunity to have something happen. Right. It really, it really does come down to time in the field, you know, other than those lucky occurrences, but the more time you spend in an area um, uh, and not necessarily an area with, with reports, I believe, or a, a large history, just an area that has all the natural resources, all the available things that a Sasquatch would need. You know, if you spend enough time in some of these areas, 
you just, you know, you obviously raise your chances of having something um, unique and interesting happening. So, you know, uh, in the Tillamook Forest, uh, in certain areas, uh, you know, you can go on there and look through the BFR reports and, and Oregon uh, Bigfoot.com reports and uh, listen to our show and, and a few other shows out there. But, you know, it's got in there, it's an area that you get reports year round in different little areas, pockets out there. Right. Um, and, but that's just pockets where people happen to be, you know, where well, they, if you, you, know, you look, yeah. If you look on the map of, of the coast range, you know, basically it's, it's the ocean, some little towns that take a very small portion of, of the inland. And then there's, there's forest between here and the, in the Willamette Valley or, or all the way up and down and all the way up from Washington. It continues up into Washington, up into the Olympics. You go up into Washington, it's even more, the uh, coastline is even less populated than, than the Oregon coast. But, uh, and of course it has a lot of, of history. It's just familiarity with, with this area for me too, is another big key. You know, it's, it's an area that I've I've been spent quite a bit of time in, and and uh, so it's it it's a great you know it's I, I did the whole it's funny because I did the whole uh, was an investigator for uh, the BFRO for a, uh, a lot of years, and it's like it, I see the value in in historical taking historical reports and investigating and building a database, but but after a while you kind of want to like find an area that that um, you think has some some good potential uh, of collecting evidence, and it's just a it's just a shift in focus of what your your interest is, and that's that's kind of how this came together. How I shifted from being you know I, I call it ambulance chasing. You're going to yeah, I was going to say ambulance chasing over yeah. here, and this report over here, and and that like you said, it's valuable because there's um, got to build that database of reports because if you want to create predictability um, it's good to know like if you didn't have any context that there had been other reports these would just be two coincidental reports this year but because there's history there and you've researched it it means more it has context so way and it shows you a spot to kind of park your butt you know and and uh yeah and really uh you know, and not, there's no real need to, uh, travel, you know, Derek, you know, speaking of, uh, ambulance chasing, you know, I had this conversation with Derek Randall's years ago, cause I did a, a lot of that myself, not to the, uh, not to the extremes that Derek Randall's, you know, co-founder of the Olympic project had done. He, he, you know, mm-hmm. before, uh, you know, he was involved with the BFR and went on, he would do, uh, you know, he, he'd get, you know, living in Washington, he'd get a report in Idaho and he'd jump in his truck and take off. You know, or right, or yeah. poor Northern California, and he took off, and he said, you know, that's good for. Um, you can collect some data, and you can collect, you know, anecdotal stories and all that. But he he decided, you know, <laughs> where you know he had his encounter uh, basically in the Olympics, and uh, the amount of reports coming out of the Olympics. He decided, you know, I'm just going to focus in on this area. I mean, the Olympics the Olympics are huge, but he you know got this property out there in the Olympics that we make our hub, our home base, and. And there's a ton, a ton of stuff, you know, happens there with roadside crossings and, and we found well, yeah, there impressions was, out there and yeah. yeah. And I was talking to James Million about carrying something with wet, like bipedal across the highway there one night when he was, came outside and he like freaked him out. He's had a, and he's had a couple of interesting things happen. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'd love to there. have him tell, tell his story for the listeners of, of his 
um, boxer short story, but because oh, I can't do it justice. Have, it is one yeah, of the yeah. like most hilarious. I mean, you know, and and scary <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> horrifying stories. But uh, I, but yeah. but he tells it so well, and it you know it's it's it is an active area. It's it's some, there's some it has unique challenges because of the terrain there is is pretty steep and extreme. So traveling around in there, and there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of roads that drive into uh, the Olympics. It's not as accessible by road as, as say, the Tillamook Forest is. There's, you know, right. there's roads and trails all over the, the, the Tillamook Forest. Olympics, Olympics yeah. are pretty um, extreme country for, for uh, getting up and down. Yeah, one of the one of the key things I think about the that I like about the area in the Olympics that we work out of is the, the and I always say this the high ground. If you look at uh, if you look at um, hot spots or where you know a lot of your bigfoot researchers go in your groups, whether it's BFRO or individual researchers or groups, and there's a lot of groups out there. You know, um, you, these areas I, I can think of three off the top of my head that are well known bigfoot hot spots here in Washington. Um, one of the things is always the high. I'm not going to name. Yeah, the high ground. You know, the high ground in, in the Olympics. In there, we were. In, there's always a high ground, so there's always that vantage point for the Sasquatch to be in, and we're at the disadvantage being on the lower elevation. Um, you know, I don't. I don't personally don't think Sasquatch hangs around, and and it's just my personal opinion, hangs around in, in the valley floors. I think they're going to be still at a. Uh, an area where they can retreat quick that humans can't get to easily, and they have the advantage. They can sit and watch and listen. Uh, they get stuff well, you know, coming up the outside. Yeah, it, it just popped in my head the story of the Patterson Gimlin, you know, footage. They they mm-hmm. then found footprints where it looked like she had gone up, Patty had gone up and watched them from a mm-hmm. vantage point. So yeah, I mean they're. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so great, and by the way, one, yeah. I did want to congratulate Bob Gimlin on the 50-year anniversary of the Patterson-Gimlin film. Still has not... I, it's funny how many people say, oh, hasn't that... You know, wasn't that proven to be a guy in a suit? Or blah, blah, this guy said he was... And like, uh, no. Go do a little bit of research. It's still the most compelling piece of evidence, uh, in my opinion, in Bigfoot. You know, uh, I wouldn't, anecdotal eyewitness reports are, are huge, but as far as physical evidence, there may be some stuff that's coming up here um, with the nesting site. I hope that that uh, adds a big piece to that, that puzzle, yeah. which we, by the way, are going to be talking to uh, Dr. Todd Disatel about that on the upcoming show here real soon. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's a you know, great point. Yeah, and, and yeah, congrats, Bob, you know, Bob, Bob Gimlin's a, a friend to us both personally and a friend of Monster X Radio and, and uh, he's uh, stuck by his guns all these years later and uh, deserves all the, the kudos or all the ridicule he's, he's gone through. Um, but, you know, with the uh, – it's interesting you brought that up about the Patty film. Yeah, because they did they, – they found tracks like, like she was going up on the hill and had kind of stopped and watched them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, though, though she was caught in a precarious uh, spot, you know, crossing that riverbed, you know, obviously she was going from point A to point B. And there's all sorts of speculation as to why she was there. You know, some claim that maybe she had little ones around and was trying to distract Bob and, mm-hmm. and Roger. Uh, you know, she, you know, looked to be pregnant or had just given birth. I mean, if you look, you know, I mean, that's just my opinion again, but that's what it looks like. No, to me. she looks pretty girthy. Yeah, she looks pretty, <laughs> pretty girthy. And so, um, but, 
Um, you know, uh, the the uh, areas, you know, like we're talking about, like the Olympics and Tillman Forest, even in, in the Tillman Forest, there's mountains around these areas uh, that you can, mm-hmm. something can disappear real quick and could uh, hide for a lengthy period of time and forage uh, and do well. I mean, the ton of, there's a ton of deer out in the Olympics and the elk, and then you got the same thing down um, down in the Tillman Forest. It wasn't too long ago where I, I had just gotten my... Uh, my dash cam and I was testing it out and I, I run with a dash cam now and uh, I think second or third use I had uh, almost nailed an elk that just came right off a mountaintop right in front of my truck and I hit the brakes got on my dash cam and I was stoked because uh, as I was watching this elk I grabbed my dash cam in my hand and I followed it go back up the hill it had been foaming around the mouth I think probably a cat or something was chasing it but uh, I had managed to, to film it so the, the dash cam worked wonders um, but uh, once again, tons of animals in these areas, um, and the uh, you know the Tillamook Forest. You know, I like to be there year round. So I think, for whatever reason, they possibly pass through there year round. Uh, not all the time, but year round periodically. Whereas in the Olympics, I really like to be in the Olympics. Um, though I'm there year round as well, I like to be there mm-hmm. in the month of May. Uh, May is a great month. Now, if I'm researching in um, the uh, or Mount Hood area where I had my encounter, well. Yeah, I'm a bit biased because I had an encounter in August. And August has always been a month that stood out to me uh, for the amount of sightings and the, the type of sightings that occur in the month of August. Now, obviously, um, as stated before, there's more people out in the woods in the month of August. So, you know, it takes a, a witness and a, and, a, and a Bigfoot to have an encounter. Um, but I think there's more to the month of August, August, September. Those two months, yeah, specifically out in the Mount Hood area, just seem to be great months to be um, – uh, spending time out in the Mount Hood area um, in specific locations. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm not really sure. You know, maybe it's because of the, the areas I go to, there's a ton of water and it gets hot in those months. Um, you know, the mosquitoes can be bad in these areas, even up until, usually they're pretty bad June, July, and then they kind of wean off in August, though, uh, because of this Indian summer, they were, you know, they were still around. But August uh, is a big month. Uh, May in the Olympics for me, May and June, and in the Tillman Forest area, just year round. I just I, I love winter camping down there, but I also love being there through the summer and uh, the fall and the spring. Just you know, uh, the vocalizations that I've heard in person out there uh, are extraordinary, and some of the um, other suspect activity we've had uh, a lot of audio stuff, but we've had some other stuff happen. Mm-hmm. We've had all. All, all, all uh, types well, you know, of the year, you've you know? seen some stuff through, through Therm and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a couple different times with something. I mean, the one one occasion when you were in your truck and something had, we found that big impression or the grounded big ground disturbance where it looked like something heavy had gone through there. You know, can't oh yeah rule out a bear. I was going through some um, pictures on old uh, cameras. And I go, wow, I forgot about that because there's been a couple of times we found these. Uh, one time we found two impressions uh, in in the research area, and they were, you know, wide apart, and they were the same width and 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 length, which is, you know, and that wasn't they didn't they didn't appear to be, uh, you know, double strike bear prints, and where they were that didn't seem to makes sense that that was it just and they was was strange and it's just another piece of the the puzzle because there's uh you know we know there's something oh. down there because our 
we've had people see them and we're not the only one. It's not just our group that's had uh, sightings down there. Um, it's right. interesting and, 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 uh, run into people and, and that they say, oh, that area? Yeah, I, I actually, uh, the, uh, Cindy Cadell ran into somebody at an event that had nothing to do with Bigfoot that uh, <laughs> this this lady had um, had a sighting right where we, we research. And um, <laughs> when Cindy asked, said, I think when Cindy first talked to her, she was saying like, well, I understand you think you saw Bigfoot. She said, I didn't think I saw Bigfoot. I mean, she was very certain about what she'd seen. And, you know, it's, I just, if Bigfoot exists and I'm still, you know, on, I'm still on, I'm, I'm on one side of the fence, barely hanging on, but it's, uh, they're, they're in that area. There'd be no reason they wouldn't be any more than the Olympics. There's, right. you know, that's just an area that, why wouldn't they be there? Um, All of you, and they, you, you know, to get back to the, the, yeah, I mean, the Native Americans in these areas, uh, uh, all the way through the Nahalem River area, have spoke about uh, Sasquatch being in that area and stealing their fish and stuff. Um, uh, but, you know, one, th- one other thing about the, the Tillamook National Forest as well as the Olympic National Forest, and both states in general, uh, in the Northwest, you get a ton of rain. There's always mm-hmm. rain. And so um, Sasquatch is definitely not afraid of rain, that's for sure. And a lot of our, it's funny because a lot of the, Things that I find suspect or strange or, or of interest have occurred during these rainy spells. Uh, the audio, I got some, you know, the, the area we camp in, in the Tillamook Forest Gun. You know, I right. have a specific camping spot that I, when I'm there, that's where I want to be because mm-hmm. there's a high ground around this camp spot. And it seems, for whatever reason, you know, you've had possibly a rock thone in there when Jess was mm-hmm. present. Um, and right. so I, I kind of was like, hmm, this seems it's something going spot. on where. Yeah. It is, deeper, it is a deeper spot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, I've gotten a lot of great audio during rain spells up there of something large and sometimes seemingly bipedal uh, coming in uh, to take a view of me. You know, I've got something on Therm there once that was, um, it, yeah, it was weird. It looked like a stump at first, and then it looked like it was swaying back and forth and uh, was going to get out of my truck, and I didn't. I watched it and watched it, and... Um, had been up all night and eventually fell asleep. When I woke up, it was gone. You know, I was I should have got out of my truck and headed up the hill, but I was really trying to, you know, make sure uh, what I was looking at. But you know, uh, the the, uh, the that impression that was found not too far away from my truck, where I had placed a mm-hmm. I had placed an audio recorder on my truck tire, and um, yeah, whatever made that impression and what it looked like impression that, that impression looked like to me, it looked like. Uh, somewhat of a hand or a knuckle, uh, knuckles, like a whole hand and, and, and a thumb mark pushed into the ground. I mean, that was just something had knelt down there, and I don't know what that impression was. But my impression of that impression <laughs> was that <laughs> I don't it, was, do it looked like, yeah, <laughs> it looked like a hand and, and a thumb pushing the ground. The audio backed up that something had come very close to my truck and maybe had seen my recorder. I don't know because there's a slight red glow, and I didn't try to hide it this time because it was on my truck and, may, and maybe noticed it, but it was observing possibly my camp. Um, you know, I can't rule out a lot of animals, unfortunately, uh, but I just don't know uh, what would sit there. Um, you know, there was there was actually, um, I think I did leave a little bit of food out, and it, wasn't, it was untouched. Um, but that area, that little camping area, you know, I've gotten a lot of good stuff during really rainy, uh, as have you guys before I even showed, you know, right, became yeah. part of the Tillamook Forest. During the rainy spells, but the rain up in the Northwest plays another huge role, a key into, 
into uh, I think I think Sasquatch quite honestly probably follows these rainy seasons uh, in rainy areas. I think it's a necessity for for Sasquatch personally. And that's yeah that that whole area is crazy. That's that's the, the <laughs> site that, that you're you're uh, you're talking about is also where I I went and got uh, something out of my Jeep and when I shut the door something whistled like 50 yards out in front of me in the dark. It's, the weird thing is that my my response was to walk back to where everybody I, that I knew was and ask them if they had just whistled when I knew it wasn't them. It was like, did you guys just whistle? But because they weren't in the direction that the whistle came from. And we actually caught that whistle on like two different recorders. So we could kind of tell where it had come from. It confirmed the location that, that I, I uh, thought that it was coming from. And then interesting enough, when uh, I listened to one of the recordings uh, later, there was a howl right after the whistle and it, and it was more distant, but didn't hear that because my mind was like, the hell just whistled at me. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it's and it sounds so human. It was weird. But uh, yeah, that I I love the Tillamook area. I love I love the Olympic uh, area as well. So, and and again, it's interesting that there's you're seeing this pattern uh, of this transition in in a very specific you know region. Um, and that's you still say you know it's only a 10 mile region, but how many people would it take to cover a 10 mile area uh, for any length of time? You know, it's, there's manpower issues, just uh, the idea of trying to, to get something in that area, you you know, and you can set up game cams, but how many game cams do you need to cover 10 miles? It's the, the, uh, how large a job it is. It just, it, I think people underestimate how much, uh, how difficult it is to monitor uh, the lowest population, probably animal. I, I'm, you know, just because of the the lack of reports versus other animals that are seen. Um, well, right, and, and, and that's another healthy. point. Is yeah, that's another point though. You're really probably only getting ninety to ninety-five percent, if even that. Uh, uh, not getting, or sorry, you're getting like, you know, four to two percent, you know, reports coming in, and there's still ninety some odd reports never uh, brought forth, um, you know, uh, partly because of the ridicule and partly because people aren't sure what they saw and they want to be made fun of. But you're only getting a, a little tiny piece of, you know, maybe maybe quite, maybe that um, if that was a Sasquatch that was seen in that area where we've been talking about all show, how many other people maybe saw it, you know, or maybe misidentified it as a bear, or or you know, don't we want to you know, talk about it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's, um, you know, I, yeah, a lot I, of witnesses I, you know, that, that I've, I've interviewed over the years, you know, I'm the first one that they've talked to about it because before that very reason, they don't want people to think they're nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I expect what I expect down the road here, uh, is, you know, this time of year in these lower lowland areas is, you know, as we see every year an increase in reports, um, you know, and it's, you know, uh, Pay attention, you know, um, if you're a researcher or, you know, to, to those reports uh, over the years because you'll, you, I guarantee you'll start to see a bit of a trend uh, during these times of year in certain areas uh, of an influx of reports coming in. And so uh, <clears throat> I, I highly recommend, you know, checking out those reports, but also checking out an area that you think that's great habitat uh, and, and doing that research in that particular area for as long as you see fit, uh, years if can, you know, like uh, Chris Spencer does in uh, – 
in his area that you know we have on the show period, periodically and what we do with the Tillamook Forest and um, obviously the Olympics and uh, and there's a few other areas of interest. I, I try not to travel too much around because uh, you, you do yourself a disservice, I think. Um, but uh, if you stay in one area long enough and start looking at uh, the reports and paying attention to what known animals are doing, you got a you got a good start right there. Well, I think I think something that uh, a practice that that we put into place with I know with the Tilma group it is uh, dash cams is that when when you start to look at at uh, a Squatchometrics data uh, how many uh, Bigfoot in, uh, sightings are road crossings which it you know it, it just makes sense because it's an area that's clear and you know if you're driving through and and they every once in a while get caught crossing the road you think about how many road crossing sightings there are how many times they must actually cross the road and not get seen um but that the dash cam thing is is uh if you are driving around, if you're doing Bigfoot research and you have an area that you think uh, Bigfoot is in and uh, you don't have a dash cam on, uh, that's you're missing a big opportunity because uh, we talk, it's ironically, we had talked about that uh, prior to Larry had a road crossing sighting, you know, I said, well, as many of us that are driving into this area um, and it, it almost seems like eventually there's, there's, a, a good possibility or there's a possibility that that one of these times we're going to be coming in because we were coming in on all different kinds of, you know, taking different roads and different routes in and out. And, uh, and then, uh, then it happened, obviously not, not when the, we, Larry was actually even bigfooting. You just happened to be driving through the area and, uh, and had had a road crossing and uh, of course did not. Yeah. And, and now we, now we make a point of, of having dash cams because uh, you just well, you just never know when it's going to happen. Well, and then and then you're not just left with a story. You have something to right. go back and review, uh, something to review and something to uh, look at, rather than just go, well, right. yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw, yeah, I saw that one across the road. Yeah, yeah. well, that's cool. Know that, you know, uh, you and, and <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and that's important because it is about if you're if you're. Objective is to prove Sasquatch exists to other bring them into as a confirmed species. It's about evidence. Uh, it's about what you can prove, not what you, you know. And you, anecdotal stories are great, but um, and fun fun to listen to. But they obviously with the 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 there's tons of them out there, and and they haven't proven that that the Bigfoot to be real at this point. Only to I mean obviously to the person who has the encounter. Yes. Um, and I'm still waiting for mine, and I'll hopefully be wearing a GoPro and uh, have have Susan behind me with her camera out. But uh, it it's uh, still it's it's chance it's all chance encounters, you know. And uh, nobody has been able to hunt a Bigfoot down to uh, and uh, or they haven't convinced me that's what they do. These people that are saying that they have, you know, they know just where. To, to go to have then the show me the evidence that's you know or or if that's you're just going to have a bigfoot you know play with bigfoot great that's fine but i really i mean it's it doesn't do anything for me um, because you, it's i my interest is is collecting data uh and 
hope and, and of course I'd like to have that confirmation experience, but uh, then I then I also think at, uh, from a nice safe distance, mm-hmm. nice clear daytime sighting from about you know 200 yards. Perfect. <laughs> we I can all hope. I, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope to. Yeah, I hope to. Uh, you know, as I've prepared myself over the years since my encounter to have another that sort of event and actually be able to document it rather than just come away with a. Uh, an interesting uh, story, and uh, you know, I'm at the point now where I I think I'm prepared enough that if something uh, extraordinary happens, as the case back in August of 2011 for me in the Mount Hood National Forest, I'm prepared now. I think to to maybe obtain something of significance. Will I ever get that chance again? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm bettering my chances by spending time, uh, uh, lengthy amounts of time, in areas of interest and documenting uh, everything that I can. Um, and looking at these possible seasonal patterns so I can place myself in these areas. And one of the ways I do that, I pay a huge amount of attention to what Squatch Metrics, and once again you can find him on Facebook, what he's putting out there, because he's, he's really just compiling data uh, in every form and fashion and looking for any sort of pattern, if there is a pattern to be found or seen. And if nothing else, you're going to get a ton of, of data and information at your hand, readily available and he's just a fantastic resource. I can't say enough about my good friend there. And, uh, and uh, man, what a, it's, it's the future of research in general. Um, but I, I, before we end the show, Gunnar, I want to say something real mm-hmm. quick. You know, there's a couple of um, – I'm going to be speaking at the Sasquatch Summit coming up here in November. Um, there's another um, – some friends of mine with the Olympic Project, Derek Randalls and David Ellis, and, and De- Jeff, Jeffrey Meldrum is going to be there, and Cliff Bergman. They're going to be at the Cowlitz County one. I think it's in February or January in Cowlitz County, Washington. Um, all great people, great conferences and summits. Um, but here's here's my thing. You're going to hear, and, and this this is an irk of mine, but I'll say it real quick. Your Bigfoot will not be proven at these symposiums and summits. It will not be proven on Facebook. It will not be proven on YouTube, um, and won't be proven on the show per se. But uh, please do your due diligence when when you're looking at uh, you know things like YouTube and you're looking at your favorite researchers uh, that are putting out stuff uh, constantly, uh, whether it's video or audio. Uh, and when you're at these summits, you know, do, your, do yourself, a, before you go there, investigate the investigators and researchers because, it, unfortunately, there's a lot of great researchers out there, a lot of great groups, but you're going to get uh, in these in these uh, social media sites and these summits, you're going to get hoaxers. They're, they're there, unfortunately, and they're going to, what seems to be, have amazing pieces of evidence and this and that and nobody's listening to me but quite they're they're sheeps and wolves clothing and it's just a personal pet peeve of mine because i've seen it happen time and time again and uh, the really good researchers the ones collecting the data doing the boring work get uh, overridden and and don't get the uh, attention that i think they they deserve uh with the phenomenon because you get these extraordinary claims with no real uh, evidence to back it up so that's just something i wanted to end the show with <laughs> No, I agree. Uh, that's um, if, if if you have extraordinary, you know, extraordinary extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So, put up or shut up. Um, the folks that that you know make these, and it, it, you can see it. It's people that are cranking out stuff, um, and, and a lot of times it's to to get YouTube hits. But uh, anyway, that that's about all the time we got for the show today. Go to our website, www.monsterxradio.com, and sign up 
and we've got uh, great new content that'll be coming up pretty soon. We're building out some uh, new ideas, and and uh, you can catch our our uh, other uh, new show, uh, Squatch Talk. Uh, occasionally, we're we're uh, doing interviewing folks that that uh, aren't necessarily in Bigfoot research, but uh, have have an interest in Bigfoot in in some way or another. So uh, catch Squatch Talk, and uh, you can uh, catch us here next week, uh, a Sunday, with a brand new show. Thanks everybody for uh, listening to Monstrix Radio. Thanks, Shane. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.